Salutations, and welcome to the Harlots of History podcast, where we scorch the history books and take back the word harlot one episode at a time. This is a show for the curious listener, the raunchy feminist, the sex-positive comic, co-hosted by us, your resident amateur historians who love a side of sexy with their history. Listen as we chat and lecture each other on infamous mistresses, lovers, sex workers, courtesans, madams, vamps, sirens, scam artists, and of course, harlots. And we try not to get too sidetracked with rants about putrid patriarchy. I'm Kara Mia, a mom of three. And I'm Emily, a fur mom of three. So go grab your pork rinds or your kale chips. A glass of wine or a big old mug of tea. We're not judging. We will keep you entertained while you wash your dishes, wash your feet, or wash that man right out of your hair. This show also contains alcohol, some very colorful language, and eyebrow raise, sexual content, and is not appropriate for those under 18. Sorry, not sorry to our children and pets. Why, hello and happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. (laughs) We hope everyone's in somewhat of a holiday spirit. Even if you're not a big Christmas person, we just hope you're in good spirits. (laughs) Or have a lot of spirits. (laughs) Or that, right? Just something spirity, right? (laughs) That was really cute. I like it. (laughs) Hold on, hold on. Catch line for this, or tagline for this show, this episode today is, hopefully you're in the spirit or you have a lot of spirits. (laughs) Well, we just want to say welcome to part two. Oh yeah, we're we're so all over the freaking place this morning. Excuse us. (laughs) This is Harlan's history. That's Emily over there. (laughs) I'm drinking coffee and getting over food poisoning by eating jalapeno bagels. And drinking seven cups of coffee. It's the best way for my stomach. Foolproof. (laughs) (laughs) And that's Caramia. My my kids are running around, so you guys might actually hear one come run in because we kind of had to do a little bit of a... Switcheroo. Right? Totally. But we just want to say welcome to uh, part two of Paris Hilton. We uh, really wanted to talk about Paris in full, so we decided to split her up into two episodes just for... Your easier consumption. It's like the top and bottom of your Juicy Couture Velour jumpsuit. These two parts go together. (laughs) Emily drunk that one up. (laughs) And just like the last one, we just wanted to um, issue a little bit of a trigger warning for everyone. You know, there there is, as in the first part, we are going to talk about some emotional and physical... Um, abuse. And we're also going to even be getting into a bit of a revenge porn. Um, I don't go into specifics, but just a trigger warning on that. This episode definitely is not meant for children at all. No, no. <laughs> not even your children who are too young no. to hear it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. So where we left off was uh, talking about Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie. Uh, and The Simple Life, the phenomena that was uh, The Simple Life TV show. Well, we're going to now get into really what happened right before The Simple Life. So we all know that The Simple Life kind of defined her, but also hurt her because a lot of people didn't want to work with Paris Hilton because they thought she was trashy Hollywood, but because of this show, but also she really helped define what is reality TV today with this show. Then right after the simple life was released, her ex-boyfriend, Rick Solomon, who was a poker player who was like, had a good decade or so on her when they dated, she was like 18, 19 and he was like in his thirties. He sounds grungy. I have to look him up. People and he was married. He was married to E.G. Daly. You know the voice of 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 Tommy Pickles. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, yeah, and they had kids. What he oh yeah. He looks exactly like what I thought he looked like. He's wearing like has a beard. He's wearing a Stetson. Pamela Anderson. Yeah, he was he was with her on and off for a really long time. He's. He also God. like like if you just like look at the sums of money that he pulled in from playing poker like in 2016, 2017, 2018, like it's like multi millions. Uh, it's crazy. Just, oh my god, ex of Paris Holden, Pamela Anderson, and Shannon Doherty. Yeah, yeah, he, he just dated her. I don't like Paris. him. Yeah, no, he's. Oh, 
I don't so like after right after the simple life <gasps> premiered, Real quick, we should do an episode on Shannon Doherty because she's like yeah okay Okay. Um, then, right after the Simple Life was released, her ex Rick Solomon, who is a poker player, released a tech tape, sex tape that they made when she was barely legal. So he Hold released on. it like three years after. The, his ex released the sex tape of no her ex Rick Solomon. Okay, Paris. Okay, released a sex tape of Paris Hilton that they had made three years before because they weren't together at the time that he released it. But he coincidentally released, like, you know, wow, such a coincidence. He released the tape right before, right after the Simple Life premiere. Three years later after they had, yep, it's classic revenge porn. Yep. It was called A Night in Paris, and it was released without her consent. Really? That's like, the the name is so terrible. Also, like, uh, you couldn't have been more creative than that. And she said that she was blacked out for the filming of it. While Rick said that the footage shows two people in love. He sued her for defamation and she countersued. And she said that she still has never seen a cent from the sales. And it was actually awarded as the best-selling adult film of the year in 2005. And Paris still does not own the rights. She didn't win? I mean, she won money, but not the rights. But I, I feel like... And well, she she didn't need the money. She needed the rights to that. That's like her. That's her property. Ugh, and what was even more despicable was like I kind of like I couldn't believe this, and I actually watched it. Pink, who was awarded Video Vanguard Champion of Women, parodied this sex tape in her Stupid Girls music video. Did and it's she? like even then, can't you realize that like she was like an eighteen, nineteen year old? You know, it's it just, just seems like it seems like I mean, and I think that like I'm even guilty of this, too, is that like I mean, it might be something that like, you know, I and I think you I think you even might be talking about this, but like we never really saw Paris as a person. We saw her as this like annoying bratty girl that was just flaunting her richness. But like she's just this human being who's been through this trauma. And it's like. I feel like, especially at that time, it's like you don't, we can't make, we don't realize that celebrities are also people too and that they've been through trauma and that like their stuff. It's like we judge them so harshly. Especially like people who have been in the public eye since they were really young. And like, I was just like, can can you imagine your future or like, I mean, sorry, your future was based off of the stuff that you did when you were 18. Can you imagine some of the stuff that you did when you were 18 being filmed and then shoved I, on you later on. Like, I shudder. So between her image and the release of her sex tape, Paris said that she felt like her pain and, like, what she went through became a formula for how to get famous. We've seen it time and time again. <clears throat> Kim Kardashian. Who was, like, Paris number two. So it made me think. Like, I haven't, like, really looked into how Kim Kardashian felt about the release of her sex tape with Ray J. Yeah. And we look at Kim Kardashian a little differently. Yeah. Also, also, like, sorry, mom, you might want to turn this off, but who, like, who of us has not not made a sex tape? Like, I have, right? Like, and I'm not with that person anymore. I have made one with my first, someone I was, like, in love with and in a relationship with, but, like, I mean, and luckily, you know, yeah, and luckily nothing ever happened with that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have with some like a partner that you trusted and like, you know, that also, I I think it's a completely normal thing. It can be, it can be, it's not always, not always can be a completely normal and consensual thing you do with a partner. Uh I'm not saying it's always is. And it's a really fun thing for the both of you. Yeah. And a lot of the times that is unfortunately not the case, but like, I think that we, that's a really good point you made. We need to start considering if all of these tapes that are being released are people just trying to get rich and make money or if they're like. And just because you consented to the making of the video doesn't mean you consented it, consented to it being released to the public for like sale and public consumption. Like, I don't know. I'm sure you will hear us talk about this a lot, but consent is not something that's given one time and it's good for the rest of your life. You have to get, consent needs to be given frequently. Yep. Exactly. Every time you have sex with your husband or yeah. partner. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Mm-hmm. There, yeah. I, you and I have talked about this extensively. We talked about this with our own partners. Like consent is something that like 
it needs to be given and it's okay if you feel uncomfortable, even if you're with a long-term partner, that happens. Consent you know? does not automatically renew. <laughs> no, yeah. It's, it's not like your Netflix membership. Sorry, we're not, we're not trying to laugh. It's like ironic, like wry laughing. Like I'm yeah. laughing at the fact that, no, I, yeah. I wasn't laughing at the consent thing. I was laughing at the I know, the I was too. I was too, yep. yeah. And so if you look at other heiresses, even like her sister Nikki, who married into the Rothschild family, they live off their parents and or husbands. Paris worked. All the parties, the modeling. And she worked it. Ah, all the parties, modeling, photo shoots, shows, and albums, they were all work. Album. She only had one album. Sorry. She had but an album? She was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she was the butt of, she is famous for being famous types of jokes. And remember that South Park episode? Because I do. Which one? I watched a lot of South Park. It's uh, so like, she like, everyone's excited to see Paris and Wendy's like, but what does she do? And they're like, she's famous. And Wendy's like, but what does she do? And it just shows yeah. like, being like really trashy. Yep. And that's like a lot of like, that's like half of the celebrities we have now. Right. And now almost everyone in the public eye, like Emily was just saying, we can argue is famous for being famous. Paris helped to legitimize it. She reinvented what a celebrity was. As feminist theorist Camille Paglia told US Week Us Weekly in 2006, Paris changed fame by like mimicking high fashion poses that she had learned from drag queens. Oh, nobody did what she did on the red carpet until she did it. She really was. Do you remember like what what red carpets used to be like? Do you remember that? She was synergized. She's she was a celebutante, which is like now a stereotype of American fame. She was a celebutante. Also, like our new thing is we're going to see how how we can sneak synergy into every episode, every episode. And Paris then even went on to develop. Chris Angel Mind Freak and worked in development in MTV during like the peak fame that was The Hills. She developed Chris Angel? Yeah. And she sought she was sought out by executives wanting success in the reality TV world. Because oh my gosh. She developed The Hills. She's like it was she was in development at MTV while The Hills was at its peak. she, She like worked for MTV. Yeah. She like was an executive there or what development she do? exec. Yeah. Like she she probably gave a lot of input and blah blah blah. That's cool. I didn't know that. Right. And she also got her DUI in two thousand and six, because we all remember that mugshot. She I was don't know. Old. What was I doing in two thousand six? I was probably whining over some boy. <laughs> right. I was I was like what I was like sophomore year. I Sof- was end of sophomore year. I was a senior. Yeah. I was a senior. Yeah. yeah. We all remember that mugshot. Then she was pulled over in early 2007 for driving with a suspended license. And then a month later, she was pulled over for driving 70 in a 35 mile zone per hour zone at light with no lights on and a suspended license. There was a messy decision about her jail time. Like the courts really went back and forth, whether or not to make an example of her. And she did end up serving a couple of weeks. Overall, I think she's extremely privileged also when she forgot to pay the 208 dollar monthly fee on her storage unit the owner of the storage unit stole her unit in auction and the person who bought it took all of her items and put them online as paris exposed people could Mm -hmm. they could subscribe to look at her diary entries her passport phone numbers and email addresses for her favorite (sighs) friends so violating Right. Look at her medical records and some receipts and see even more personal, a.k.a. nude or slightly nude photos and home videos. It was a mix up. Actually, Paris said that a moving company was on the name of her lease for this, not her in order to keep, you know, her storage unit more private and like lessen the interest in it. I was going to say, like, it's not like she wasn't, like, she obviously could have paid that. Well, she paid the moving, she was paying the moving company to pay for the, and to pay for the lease on the storage unit, and the moving company defaulted and did not pay. So she was, like, 
going through all these extra lengths to make sure all the stuff was kept extra private. And then because she was like something happened and then they like came out to the public. And also like, it doesn't matter if a person is famous or not famous, like doing something with someone own, like someone's property, intellectual property like that. Like this goes back into like the porn thing. Like, you know, it's like that, that's never okay. It doesn't matter if they're famous and you're going to make a lot of money. Like stop. The Paris exposed deal made the auction buyers $10 million. People like people are so greedy. It's like greed. And almost every image of her, even the ones that the paparazzi were taking were crafted to reflect the brand that she was creating. But of course she was seen as the worst consumer living, like possibly living at the time. Off the trappings of capitalism, she was inspiring a generation of young kids to mimic being trashy and oversexed. That's that's what that is some of the criticisms of her. She's definitely a complicated person, and I can tell you my mom hated her. I think my mom hated her too. Right. And also I but also I think that most people who were extremely successful in the late nineties, early two thousands were hated by parents. Yeah. Like Eminem. Oh my god! I remember when, yeah, I remember when that came out, and my parents hated it so much that like they we would like walk through. They were like, "I can't believe Target is selling this trash!" Like, and Eight Mile is like, I mean, yes, and Eminem is problematic, but I still really like that movie. Yeah, it's a good movie, right? It's a really good movie, and also her list of relationships is literally too long to go into. I'm not judging her, but like they all seem to follow a pattern. They all end badly. None of them last more than two years. And later when I talk about this is Paris, I will really go into a lot of different things, but some of the more notable people she was connected to were Leonardo DiCaprio, Nick Carter, Benji Madden, a couple of shipping heirs, some models, businessmen. Shipping heirs? Yeah. Like, you know, like Stavros. She even dated another man that was named Paris, and they were like Stavros. Aris- Stavros, yeah, like like in um, like in Schitt's Creek. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not even. Jo- I bet they got inspiration from Paris for that name. Oh, she was she was. They did say that like she was supposed to be like Paris Hilton's. Did you know that um, that she actually looked all about the Kardashians? We're talking about Alexis in Schitt's Creek. Yes, how she actually. Lo- <laughs> I forget that like no one is on our level. Like we just have to say one word. We're right there. Like you, like we have our own private language. Um, she actually l- watched the Kardashians hold purses, and then she just held it, did her hand like that without the purse. That's how she did so her hand. Thing. Funny, she did. Yeah, her persona is genius. All of a lot of her boyfriends seem to be blonde, and they uh, <laughs> a lot of them seem to look like Ken, particularly Chris Zilka one of her later boyfriends. She was even engaged. Any of them. She, right. You know, Nick Carter, you know, oh, ben Madden. Yes. Yep. Oh yeah. Okay. She was even engaged a couple of times, but no one seemed to give her the right kind of comfort and love. Uh, Paris's cultural reign was really from like 2003 to 2009. Paparazzi's a paparazzo's, whatever you want to call it. And even tabloids built careers out of getting photos of her, tabloids regularly paid one million for the right photo of her. A million dollars. Early two thousands. Yes, her media presence was so huge that in two thousand and seven, you uh, Us Weekly advertised that they had a Paris free issue. Oh my god! Right, that's insane. She then created her lifestyle brand and co-authored uh, her book, Confessions of an Heiress, which became a bestseller. Some of like her tips in there was like, always have a spray tan. Always be camera ready. Always, you know, just very vapid stuff. Um, her, her first perfume in 2004 sold so well that it led to a 47% increase in sales for the perfume company that made it from her first perfume. Her very, what was her perfume called? I'm sure it was called like Eris or something. I don't know. They all have like, I remember like some, like I can can was really popular when I was young. Her, I feel like her perfumes were actually like not bad though. No, they weren't. I mean, they're, uh, I actually, okay. This is such a guilty confession. I really liked Britney Spears's. Uh, was it her circus or was it like Britney Spears had a couple of perfumes that I really liked the one that was in the blue bottle. I really liked. 
What was the one that I really liked? I can't remember. They smell like straight up sex. Britney Spears. They did smell like, yes. I'm going to go drink Captain Morgan and Coke tonight. So I'm going to wear this. Like that's like. Oh my god, that's like that's like the peak to that like two thousand like early two thousands. I'm like I think Juicy Couture is the one I used to wear. Burberry Brit, that was like my. Smile. I like Burberry the Beat. Prada that Candy, was, that was the one. Prada Candy, that was so that was sweet. That was good, but it was so sweet. Okay, it was, was like those, yeah, no, those are those two. And I would, that was I tended to like go towards more like unisex things. Then my smell this year is. I have been quarantined for nine months and I haven't showered in a week. So <laughs> real busky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of wine. There's, there's hints, there's hints of pizza bites right. and, and a, lot of, a lot of yeast. Cause Emily's going crazy with her bread baking. <laughs> yeast from my bread, not from not, any, not, not bodily yeast. <laughs> yeah. Overgrowth of candida. No, but I, it's also a musk of box Chardonnay and uh, hair oil. Avion Blanc, <laughs> right? Mm. And, uh, and a little bit of, uh, hair oil. Sebum. Speaking of, I'm dying my hair tonight. What are you dying it? Real red. All right, All right go. <clears throat> Let me take a sip. <laughs> I know, me too. I'm almost done with my wine. I should have planned this better for me having more wine the night I finished. Right. So then she won a Teen Choice Award for Best Scream in her performance in House of Wax, which I refuse to watch. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I, I will never watch it. And it's she really also, fucked up, right? I mean, it's just also like I just don't have an interest in watching. Like, I love like really campy cult B films, but I don't know. That's just one that I'm just not ready to watch. That one that almost seems like it's like campy, but not supposed to be campy. Right. Yeah. And then she also made one of the most recognizable commercials ever for Carl's Jr. Do you remember that no, one? No. Paris no. Car Wash. She was like in her bikini washing her uh, truck that was like inside like this barn like thing. And she's taking like a bite of this juicy hamburger. Oh, yeah. That sounds familiar. Right. And there are so many more like books, product lines, shows, appearances. I literally can't get into all of hers. Like I have never seen, you know, when you're researching something on Wikipedia and you like look at the bibliography. Hers was 500 sources. 500? 500 sources, if not more. That just seems like anybody and their mom could have got on there. Right. And then she released her album. My mom could have actually gotten on there and written about Paris Hilton because I know she has some choice words. Right. But, you know, they're all, they're all ver- it verifies a lot now. But like I was just saying, there's like, that's how much, that's how much she was in the public eye. That's how many articles are written about her. That's how much, like how many movies and things she has done that there are 500 sources. That's so crazy. And then she released her album, her self-titled album, Paris and the banger stars are blind, which I know Emily, she says she hasn't heard, but I think she's heard. Have you heard? It's like, it's honestly, her album is not the worst. It's not something I'm like going to actively go listen to. But like, honestly, it's actually kind of ahead of its time. Like some of her songs, I mean, this came out in like, what, 2004, 5, 6, somewhere like that. I mean, honestly, I'm like kind of mad I didn't hear about that because that just seems like something I would have like been driven, driving around. I want to drive around now in the summer with my top like every right and she like talks about the first time she heard that like reach on on the radio she was like driving in malibu and her convertible with the top down and it was surreal (laughs) honestly when i had a convertible this is like what like i was like this sounds like something i would like drive fast on the highway with my convertible into the sunset because i did do that for the one year i had a convertible Jealous I wasn't friend with, friends with, I was, oh, I was friends with you, but we, didn't get, uh, we didn't get to ride in it that much. It's because it was a two-seater and you had like seven kids. That's right. Two, but yes. But basically, um, <laughs> whatever, but, more than that car could handle. Right. And uh, her album Paris, though, for all its criticism release, uh, it reached number six on its release on the Billboard charts. Number six. That's nothing to steer about. Yeah. And I was like, I'm I remember. Not gonna lie. I like really want to go drive. You should like, honestly, some of her things that she recorded sounds like a lot of TikTok anthems today. I'm kind of obsessed with that song now. Like I need to go drive to it. It's yes, you 10 do. degrees outside, but we know. 
And also, do you remember that movie, Hottie and the Naughty? Like, no. Like, Paris was hot and the other girl was not. Yeah. And it ended up with a positive, whatever. It's problematic, whatever. Super 2000s. Was there someone that was like, had really big teeth? Like, and like, she had like a unibrow and a mole and a big nose. Yeah. 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 That's like so problematic. Right. And also, Paris was a target of the bling ring, which we really. You're like, what's he doing? Is he hammering? Yeah. He's like literally putting things up. He's like uh, putting something into the bathroom. So uh, Paris was also the target of the Bling Ring, which is a young crime group who targeted infamous celebrities to steal their clothes, jewelry, purses, and cash. And Emily are definitely going to do a mini-sode on them. Um, we're a full episode. That sounds like we're a full. True. And she has also been, Paris has also been the victim of some really severe stalking. Like a repeated, mm. like it's, it's, it's terrifying, the stories. And even identity theft. Someone like stole her nudes and a, a considerable sum of cash off. Oh my gosh. The, yeah. Jeez. And Paris was caught smoking weed at the 2010 uh, FIFA World Cup in South Africa. She said it was a misunderstanding and that someone else in the group was smoking. But she was caught with weed two weeks later at an airport in the south of France, but also like, like who hasn't? Right. Yeah, it's weed. And who hasn't? And later that year, she was arrested for cocaine possession, and her then boyfriend, Silas, was arrested for a DUI. She said that the cocaine was not hers because the purse was not up to her fashion standards, but her wallet <laughs> and other personal items are in it. And she, played- I really like that. <laughs> like, you know, she she's playing the long game. She like she gets a purse that's like really like ratty looking, and it's like if anyone catches me, I'm gonna be like, oh, that wasn't mine. Like. I am way too cool for that. <laughs> right? Oh, it's not a Dior. It's just like a coach. It's definitely Wait, not my purse. She was like, yeah, because I feel like she didn't go for the really heavy, like, Prada. But she didn't go for the really, really big brands. She was, like the medium. No, no, she went for the big brands, but she just went. She was a Dior girl all the freaking way. She wanted, like, pop culture brands. I even, I even, I even have the thrifted, a thrifted um, pink tracksuit Dior like sweater top that is literally one that Paris Hilton wore. I thrifted it back in like 2004, 2005, and I still have it. It like has that Dior logo that Paris always wore. I feel like I've seen you wear that. Yeah, yeah. It's just like I remember finding it at like a Salvation Army and being like, "This is my prized possession." <laughs> <laughs> but she uh like i said she said the cocaine was not hers because the purse was not up to her standards but her wallet is it all airport? her no this was later that year when her and her boyfriend were arrested i believe is in las vegas um but her wallet and her other personal items were in that purse so you know she pled guilty to two misdemeanors and she got rot- she got off like really lightly not that people forgot about her, but like her second reality TV show in 2011, The World According to Paris, did not go well. Did not know she had a second I one. know. She, it just was like very blase. Like it really was. People wanted more from her. Her one-liners really didn't have enough depth. It was just like kind of following along in her life, which we were like, we can already get for free via like some social media, you know? Yeah. And then she began. She began her DJ career. She has always said, "I like blocked that out right my memory." She has always said that she felt most like herself in the dark of the nightclubs, which again seems like a child celebrity trauma response because it is like they can truly disappear to be themselves. She trained six hours a day for six months for her premiere at the Pop Music Festival in Brazil in 2012. She was, of course, criticized. But she is truly passionate about DJing and works hard. Uh, she's not a groundbreaking DJ, but she has fun. Um, she, yeah, she, I mean, like, stop criticizing people for working really hard at something they're passionate about, whether or not they're, like, in your eyes, quote-unquote, successful. Like, if someone right. finds a passion and works really hard for it, like, that's, like, that's, like, what, you know, find your passion in life. That's, like, what life is all about. So shut up. Shut up, haters. But, you know, like, you can also understand when at first she, like, premiered at this festival with, like, Dead Mao and, like, Dead Mouse and, like, a bunch of other, like, legitimate DJs that Is had to, like, Dead work. Dead Mouse or Dead Mao 5? I, I don't know. I don't know. 
whatever. You know who we're talking about. Yeah. 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 But like she premiered at like, um, uh, these, at this festival with a lot of like heavy hitters who have had to work from the ground up. And she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And actually it was like really funny. Like I remember like a couple years before she discovered like EDM festivals and she was like going around them with her boyfriend, Afrojack. So it's like really funny. It's just like, it was bound to happen. Um, no, I can, I can see it from that point too. It's like, yeah, you have a lot of privilege to be able to do the stuff that like a lot of other people have to work a lot, 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 lot harder okay, than you. Hey, to get trained by the best DJ coaches in the world. So I'm at your level, not like, Oh, let's learn by trial and error. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I see both sides. And she had a lot of right? privilege, but also I'm I'm glad she found her passion, I guess. Right. And she was booked consistently up until COVID hit. And she like even before but this was before COVID, but she turned down a fifth residency in Ibiza. Right. So she does really well internationally with her sets, She's her stores, and her appearance. Yeah. She was actually one of the highest she was the highest paid female DJ in 2014. I didn't know that. Yeah, and and it's, like, really cute in her documentary. She, like, you can just tell, like, that's her love. She, like, feeds off of the energy. And it's kind of sad. I'll talk about it later, but it's kind of sad why she finds so much love from her fans. But you can tell she just absolutely adores it. And she's, like, she's actually doing it. She's working the pads. She's working her playlist. She preps really hard. You know, not... Yeah, that's what I was saying. It's, like, it's like you, you know, it sucks that, like, there are people that have privilege like that that don't have to work as hard, but you know, also like it is good that she found something she's like really passionate about. And she was, also, able, you know, she also doesn't have the originality of a lot of DJs. So they have that on her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course she fully transitioned into all social media, particularly Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, one thing that I really remember was her iconic modeling performance as Cruella DeVille for a blonde show. I think that was like in 2017. So she like really tried hard to remain in the, uh, she really tried hard to evolve and she was always on the forefront of all technology and social media, which I think is like really apparent. She does make the most. I have to see what her Instagram looks like. Keep going. I'm just like really curious. She does make most of her money through her product and perfume lines, which have grossed around $3 billion in sales. She has 50 stores and 19 products lines. Which is crazy. Oh, she's like she's fully Paris. Is she married? No, she's like dating this guy. She's been with him for like a year, which is like longer than like fifty percent of her relationships. He's cute. Yeah. Again, white. She only likes white guys. Well, he's not blonde. Oh wow. <laughs> Step forward. Oh wow. Did you see this? Hold on, are you gonna talk about this? Yep. She yep. has a don't a picture. Yep. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, and we also have to address her homophobic comments that were posted in a soundbite in 2012. A cab driver recorded her saying, Ew, ew, gay guys are the horniest people in the world. They're disgusting. Dude, most of them probably have AIDS. I'd be so scared if I was a gay guy. You'll, like, die of AIDS. She later apologized, saying that she was talking about the danger of unprotected sex and grinder. But still, you know, wow. And, you know, she... Also, also, that is, like, a really outdated, like, that... Yeah, but she was and still is seen as a champion for the gay community. But I just wanted to address that. She was also seen doing a Nazi salute in military uniform on a boat off the south of France in 2010. But like, again, I could find like no more about that. But also, who can forget what she said about the women accusing Donald Trump of sexual harassment? I think they're just trying to get attention and fame, Hilton said. Uh, in an article, writer Iron Carmon revealed on Twitter, I feel like a lot of people, when something happens, all these opportunists come out. They want to get paid. They want to get money or get paid not to say anything or get a settlement when nothing really happened. I don't believe any of it. She, what was that? This was 2017. She said that the whole thing was misconstrued and it was applied almost a year later. So it came in 2017. She said it maybe in 2016. Um, but, and she said she was still, she was speaking really about her own experiences, but like, again, still, still, I always kind of like believe women. Yep. Yeah. Believe. Yeah. Believe women, believe victims and not just women, believe victims. Believe yeah. victims. That's really important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But let's get, you know, those are, those are problematic. I just wanted to talk about them. Uh, yeah, they need to be talked about. Yeah. Right. 
And I feel like we really started to get to know Paris from her appearance in the Netflix documentary, that American meme, really important for all of us to go watch it, um, along with that that new social media uh, documentary that's on it, too. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Matt, Matt, like, watched that, and he tells me about how social media is bad, like, four or five times a day. (laughs) Right? Right? But we all use it. Um, Yeah. Her reinvention started here. Paris's adoration for her fans is really cute. She says her fans are called the Little Hiltons uh, because she became so accustomed to being screwed over. She does not trust anyone, but she trusts her fans. It is so sad that Paris sought love from people she does not know, but it's also super sweet. She responds to them. She interacts with them. She gives them her phone number, blah, blah, blah. But like, again, misunderstood by everyone. It was yet another time where Paris was literally laying out her pain and trauma for us, and no one understood where her trust issues and pain really stemmed from. So, like, in a ton of interviews, I'm talking from, like, maybe about 2007 on, all you ever see is, like, her talking about how she can't trust anyone. Men are with her because they want something. People are friends with her for the wrong reason. She feels like she can't trust anyone. Yeah. I Understandable, given what she's gone through. But, like, it's like no one, no one ever looked into that. Mm-mm. And like we're just now understanding that like, you know, things happen and like trauma happens and it like builds up, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, we're just now like, Oh yeah, maybe we should look at that. Maybe, that what happened. Maybe, maybe something that does happen to you in your childhood and your adolescence really does affect you the rest of your freaking life. Yeah. Yeah. So until this year with the, this is Paris documentary, which is on YouTube, that was like, we did not understand Paris Hill. And I think in the slightest until this came out. Yeah. I had like, I honestly, I had no idea. This is all new to me. Right. So the documentary is good. It is a bit fragmented, but it was enlightening and sad to watch. The documentary originally started off with, it was just supposed to be like a year in the life of documentary, like following her around. Mm-hmm. And so you get to see her, you get to see all this thing, but like when in she was in South Korea. She opened up about her insomnia, which is like really sad. Her life just doesn't seem fun, honestly. She's just like working constantly. She talks about a recurring nightmare that she's had for decades. It is uh, her being taken and like kind of thrown into like a pit and falling and falling. And like on the camera, you can literally see her changing while talking about this and realize who she is and why the way she is. Like, she had never talked about it before. She opened up to the producer of her documentary. That just seems like, that's, that's like, what happened to her. Yeah. But it's also, like, most of us, like, wouldn't come to a self-realization that way. But it's, like, her entire life, I feel like, since her adolescence has been before a camera. So I seem think it feels, like, very fitting. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's just, like, okay. So... We'll get into a bit more, but like her mother and her sister like seem incredibly stoic, detached, and unemotional when they hear her tell about the abuse and self-identity crisis she experienced while at Provo Canyon. Paris said that her insomnia, her trust issues, paranoia, fear, and anxiety all come from her experience at the school. She said that because of the tough love shown by her parents, it blurred the line between love and abuse and that she has found it hard to have a healthy relationship. She has said that she's been in five abusive relationships and there's actually photos online of like abuse from different boyfriends, like really bad bruising. Mm. Yeah. And her persona, her baby voice and like sunglasses, like hit her from the world. Like Michael Jackson, although problematic, did like the exact same freaking thing. Yeah. And like in the documentary, she kept doing like these really weird childish things, like almost like realize what a kid I am. Like she would like jump down the stairs, like in a weird thing, like kick her legs up and jump down the stairs. Like when it was like, just walk down the stairs. She always like forgot something like her sister Nikki's like Paris is always like loves drama. Cause she was like, Oh my gosh, I forgot this. I can't forget this. And she was like always making like a really big deal about these like Really kind of like, you know, she's always freaking out about her laptop or something, something, something. Sounds like she's like stuck. And she always in, like, she like freaked yeah. out about packing, laying on the ground being like, I can't do this about packing. And also like a lot of regression. Yeah. Also, it was like really triggering for me to like, so she had this boyfriend and it's not the one she has now, but she had this boyfriend for this documentary and he was like really sweet and whatever. And they went on like this, like they took a little vacation before she went to like this 
I, I know what was it like it was somewhere in Europe she went to go perform at like one of the biggest EDM festivals in the world and I think he took something or he was drinking but just like he was like why haven't you been with me whatever whatever she's like I've had to do press conferences like she was still in the same outfit she flown in that she had to do nine interviews for and then go perform her set in she hadn't like rested a bit and he was like, why haven't you been paying attention to me? Why haven't you made time for me? And she was like, I have to do this. And he's like, like he was like making her feel down before her performance. And she kept saying like, leave me alone. Stop it. This is like one of the biggest moments in my life. This is one of my biggest moments as a DJ or like, stop, leave me alone. And he wouldn't stop. She had to have them uh, take off his bands and escort him out because he wouldn't leave her alone. Oh my God. Yeah. Her. And it's like, we've we on camera. Yes. It's really sad. Like you could see why she has a hard time having boyfriends because her life is really quite demanding. And any she she, yeah, yeah. It was just it was really sad to watch. I'm like I'm sure we've all had. It's not abusive. It's not like it's not abuse in the way that we think of like cut and dry. But like the fact that he was like actively trying to bring her down before possibly one of the proudest moments of her life was really sad to see. Also, I think we we can normalize that like abuse can come in different, you know, exactly. even if it's not always physical. Mm-hmm. I'm, that, so, I'm coming around to that. Yes. But yes, yeah. I agree. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, we can all see kind of why she was stuck as a teenager for a really long time. Uh, this year, Paris held a rally outside of the Provo Canyon School with other survivors. I should have. Okay. There's just one thing I wanted to bring up that really annoyed me. I was like super excited, like that she's finally doing some activism, but at the same mm-hmm. time, this was in October and everyone else was wearing a mask, but she wasn't. Okay. That is annoying. Yeah. Okay. But she has supported breaking code silence with which is a movement organized by other survivors to bring awareness to the troubled teen industry. And it's like really, it's really cool. It's a really active Instagram account and yeah, it's like this whole movement and yeah, it's becoming, I think it's getting like, it's getting a lot of traction as of late. Like it almost like seems like it makes those comments she said about the women like even more problematic. But also she she also I feel like she's she's realizing who she is right now too. She maybe was like Take accountability hey. will also allow you to like come to your self realization. Saying that because she like felt like she couldn't come out. I don't I don't again, I don't know. Like she's like she has so much to explain. Now, yeah. she, I guess she doesn't owe us explanations, but she also no. has lived her entire life. She wanted to be famous. She's lived her entire life in the public eye. So I guess, like, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, very complicated. No, I mean, that's, like, that's so, I'm I'm glad that she's using her platform to bring awareness to this, like, issue that I had no idea about. Right? But also, it's very much, like, I'm Paris and I'm doing this. It's yeah. not, it's more, it's it's a bit, it's a bit of that. I'm really glad she's doing it, but at the same time, it's, like. I don't know. I don't know. Like, she's, like, she's doing it in, like, her high-heeled sneakers. She's complicated. We can't figure her out. Right, exactly. But the Breaking Code Silence, um, for example, they're doing a lot of good work. For example, their Instagram brought to light an incident that happened in May of this year that I didn't know about. In Lakeside Academy, which is a teenage behavioral institute in Kalamazoo, Michigan, Cornelius Fredericks, who is was 16 years old, was restrained for throwing a sandwich, and he went into cardiac arrest and died. <gasps> oh. but, yeah, yeah, literally that. And it's, of course, being investigated by, like, the Michigan Board of Health. But, like, it, it, the stuff that's happening in these this troubled teen industry is, like, happening up until now. So I try to do as much research as I can, but it's, like, all of a sudden you're, like, clicking and it's, like, a whole nother 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 episodes on its own. So I encourage you to go do your own research and realize, like, this is a part of our history as millennials. Like, I wonder, we, like, I wonder, like we probably all know somebody who was impacted by this industry in one way or another. Yeah, I do. And I didn't even know I did. And so after feeling like a teenager for two decades, she said in USA Today, I feel like a grown up finally. And I'm so excited for the next phase of my life to have a family and just grow up. My priorities have completely changed. I no longer care about going out or being the party girl that I was before. I'm excited about being an activist and really using my voice and my platform to help make change and make a difference in the world. And now Paris is called the mother of social media. She was the OG influencer because we were all obsessed about her 
being famous for being famous, aka just being herself. And that's all we like to do now is watch influencers being themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like yeah. in, in the American meme, the documentary, it said like Paris created the blueprint for what social media moguls are doing today. She had no publicist years ago. She did it all herself. And so I'm going to wrap things up with a fairly long quote from the uh, Mitchell Sunderland uh, article for Vice that I loved. Paris entered a celebrity world before Jezebel, Jezebel and Tumblr's reign, a time during which the media could attack female celebrities' sexuality without getting labeled sexist or prudish or slut shamey. But instead of apologizing, Paris continued behaving as she wanted. Paris endured close to a decade as being the most hated girl in America, explained John Tutte, a writer who regularly DJs Paris's songs at the Jane Hotel in Soho. This was written in 2015, so I don't know how regularly he's doing it now. Um, she embodied everything that was despised according to a Bush-era morality. Until recently, it was unheard of to come across a headline that put Paris in a positive light. The fact that she survived, even thrived under this intense scrutiny, is a testament to the fact that she's punk. I was like, <laughs> What? That's so crazy, it, 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 but it really makes you think about her differently. Yeah, absolutely. And so we all know Paris isn't going anywhere, but I think more will be demanded of her. I think I'm going to demand more of her politically, because again, I don't really, her political stance is quite unknown, philanthropically and with her activism, which has had a good start. And we're going to end with a quote from her, or actually just one more quote about her from my vice column because everyone needs to go read it anyone who would actually look into it know that it's the opposite you don't get this far and build something like this by being a dumb blonde oh i love that you love like when you find an article that's really well written and you're like i said to quote it they're gonna say it so much better than i ever could right and paris hilton will always be a controversial living legend to pre-social media millennials like emily and i yeah. <laughs> right? That's so good. Okay, now that you know more about her, do you feel any more decided on what you think about her? Because I don't. No, I, I feel more confused. Like, I feel like I had this image of being like, uh, Paris Hilton now. And now I'm like, I don't know where I stand. Like, I think, I think it's really important to look at people's stories and to have empathy because even if someone. I'm not saying have empathy for everyone. I mean, yes, I think you should have empathy for everyone, but it's like looking at stories, it helps you figure out like how these people got to where they are. But also, you know, we also celebrity is celebrity is like a poison. It is. It's great. Whatever you get fame, you get money, you get whatever. But I feel like it also slowly destroys you. Oh, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I just, I don't know. Look more into it. Make your own mind up. I just really encourage everyone to go watch the This Is Paris documentary as a jumpstart into perhaps your own look into the troubled teen industry. Because like I said, it was really hard to find out anything about it. I wonder if because of that, there's going to be more. Mm -hmm. Kat Von D came out. And I feel like the fact that Kat Von D went to Provo Canyon explains a lot about her it's like crazy i yeah i i didn't know that that like existed so i'm gonna say my sources really quick so this is paris documentary which is on uh, on youtube uh the american meme which is on netflix uh the first couple of simple life episodes countless interviews on youtube the episode for the It Girl Theory podcast, which I adored. Also, there was just like so many other podcasts that I didn't quote directly, but I like love to use. Um, like low, it was like Low Society had a really good one on her, and then also that amazing column for Vice by Mitchell Sutherland, Sunderland, which I would like absolutely. I'm gonna like look up more articles by them because it was amazing. So. Good job. Good, Thank good you. job. That was so good. That was such a fun, like fun. I say fun, but like such an interesting episode. Right. Do you see why it was like, it was like, I, I took a lot of time, but honestly, like at this point, I'm like, I do not think I can like learn one more thing about this faux blonde person. <laughs> like I, uh, whatever she did. She's cool. She's whatever. She's not she's her I don't know. I mean, it's not that blonde. 
Oh yeah, it's like it could be like she's got to touch it up. She's got to touch it up. Yeah, she's I mean plat- nobody, nobody's platinum blonde. I mean nobody's no, that right. platinum blonde. Nobody's right. blonde shimmers in the sun like that. I know. I tried to be platinum blonde for the first half of quarantine and it didn't work out. <laughs> but should we do our happy harlots? Yeah, my happy harlot is that I'm done with school and. Woo-hoo! I don't know if that's happy or being like, oh, God, now I'm stuck inside for another six months with nothing to do. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to do this podcast and I'm going to you guys will get way more of me because I have way more time to like throw myself into it. Oh, and also I have to apply for nursing school. So I guess there's that. That's a big thing. Oh, and study for all my entrance exams. So I guess there's that, too. That's a huge thing. Oh, yeah. My, my happy harlot's a lot more simple. Uh, my husband and I made a book corner for our kids today because my kids are legitimately obsessed with books. My 18-month-old will sit in a corner and read books. And so we decided to make a really accessible corner where they can just, like, if they all three of them wanted to sit, they can all sit. So we made our own, like, faux nugget couch and put all the books in one corner for all my kids. Yes. I'm so excited. They're going to love that so much. I am too. Well, we just want to thank you for uh, listening to this two-part journey of Paris. It wasn't intended to be a two-part journey, but we wanted to split it up for easy consumption because nobody can have that much Paris in one day. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Hi, Harlots. We just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to Harlots of History. If you like what you heard today, please go and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so we can keep bringing you more salacious, scandalous harlots. Our music is Nia Proxis, Frank Riddick by Lloyd Rogers from freemusicarchive.com. And our cover art and editing is by us. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> we love suggestions, tips, tricks, or just salacious details you think are interesting. So please reach out to us on Instagram at Harlots of History Podcast or on Twitter at History Harlots or email us at Harlots of History Podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And remember, be a harlot, not a hater. Bye. Bye.